Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for the 4th of September, 2023. Yeah, it's still the same year, isn't it? I think so. Doesn't change the minute. I'm joined by Carl. Hello. There we are. <laughs> Seamless as always. And today we're going to be talking about hashtag Slopgate, which I'm very excited about, actually. Okay. Me too. I consider it a win. The least incompetent laborites who have um, been suspended because, well, they're actually all diversity hires seems to be the reason. Which is yeah. A whole lot of conversation. And also, preferring your own kids is now immoral. Yes. I didn't see this one coming, I'll be honest. Oh, I did, actually. <laughs> We've got a lot of work that all points towards this being the, the left-hand goal. Well, further ado, I suppose we should get into Slopgate, because I don't want to say anything and, and, and miss it, you know? So it began with a simple tweet from a chap called Philip Lemoyne, who's an average PhD student. Americans genuinely believe they have better food than France. They believe it. It's truly extraordinary. To which then the average Frenchman replied. All of the cope and the replies and quote tweets is like, America has a lot of good restaurants, which is true and not the point. The American food scene has improved tremendously in the past 15 years, which is impressive. But what the average American eats is poisonous, disgusting slop. He carries on in other tweets after this. Uh, the, pro- the produce in an average French market is just leaps and bounds beyond anything in the US. Just leaps and bounds. A surprising amount of replies talk about Mexican food, which is hilarious. We are so good at putting slop on a tortilla. What do you say about that, Frenchie? Is posting an L. Nobody outside the US or Mexico cares about Mexican food. And that, that is just so true as well. Right? One thing Americans are better at, he says, is steak. You guys typically cook steak better, and while the average meat in France is leaps and bounds beyond the average meat in the US, you guys have top-tier meat. He's right, but French meat does suck. He's right about that. Um, and so this, this somehow gained the ire of uh, one Matty Iglesias, the guy who thinks there should be a billion people in the United States, and uh, various other things. Uh, and he just posted this. Uh, one thing that can unite America in this age of hyperpartisanship is dunking on Peg's food takes. But, but he is totally right about that. There's a few aspects of this conversation I found fun. Go on. First one, him being, uh, we're making the point that actually loads of Americans have noticed when they go on holiday for a substantial period of time, which yep. is they'll go to somewhere in Europe, not necessarily France, yep. and they'll live and they feel pretty normal. And they get back to America and they realize the food is poisoning them. Yes. And they're like, hang on, that's strange. I saw um, one of a woman who went to, it was France, I think she went to. And she was like, for some reason, I can eat the bread here. But when I go back to America, it, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I get my irritable bowel syndrome back. Yeah, It's like, yeah, that really makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, a couple of reasons. I mean, uh, we'll get into it later, but the, the bread you buy in the supermarket here, you know, the bread, yeah. the soft stuff that's not actually from a bakery, like that kind of is poison. Follow the conversation. It's not from a bakery. It's it's not proper bread. It's it's industrial. Well, yeah, slot. sure. It's not like well, sure. It's yeah. All of the conversation, but Ma- mass mass bread. <laughs> but take that and then make Americans make it. Who, of course, then add sugar and turn it into what is legally classified as cake <laughs> now in Ireland. So that's why Subway sandwiches <laughs> is Subway cake. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know. Bread that. is classified as cake. It's, it's got that sugar. much sugar in it. Yeah. Right. Have you ever had uh, Spanish bread? Probably, it's sweet. You'd remember if you had it because it's horrific. Oh. I remember being like 15 and going on holiday to Tenerife and my, my dad just think, oh, well, we'll get bread and ham, make some sandwiches rather than go out. And it was a sweet ham sandwich. And I was like, dad, I can't eat this. This is disgusting. This is Bar- a croissant. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. This is the, no, but croissants are better than that. But that's, that's a whole conversation that's interesting and a yeah, yeah. perspective. Blah, 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 blah. 
But it's been a long time coming, I feel. The Mexicans have been getting away with this. Oh, yeah. And not even specifically the Mexicans themselves. It's, it's not even... The Americans. Getting away with it. Is, no, no. The, the, way, the way I look at it is the Mexicans have basically been abusing the Americans. Yeah. They've been totally taking advantage of their hospitality and taste buds. So, uh, the, any... The, the people who own Taco Bell have got a lot to answer for, I feel. They really do. Because I've been to America. I've eaten Mexican food in America. And it's... Well, I'm not impressed with how this all came about. But anyway, right. So even even uh, Matt's own followers are like, eh, I don't know, Mexican food is not great. I'm not sure why more people don't recognize that sort of thing. But uh, and then I I found this and I was just like, yeah, but Mexican food is absolutely atrocious though. The chili's there to hide the poor quality of the ingredients, not to enhance the flavor. Uh, this went down well with a lot of people. <coughs> Mostly Mexicans or Americans. Mostly Americans. I don't think that many Mexicans use Twitter. Really. Probably too busy being asleep. So they're probably too busy mixing a vat of. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the average Mexican does. Um, but you can see there, I'm surfing just ahead of the ratio. Yeah, I'm too powerful for you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> and so while I was sleeping like a baby, I just I posted this literally just before I went to bed. Uh, this, this tweet was um, doing the rounds. And so I had lots of people replying to me, stuff like this. Uh, Tell me you never had Mexican food without having Mexican, without telling me you never had Mexican food, and then they posted this. But if you look at this, right, it's, it's shrimp, shrimp or prawn, I'm not sure which. Lemon, uh, sorry, limes, avocados, chilies, and rice, and just, and I'm like, look, that looks like an assault in the senses. I don't, that doesn't look appealing to me. And so I was like, look. Surely you can accept that there is a corrupting nature to the concept of spice. And in fact, the path of virtue is the path of the path of moderation. I mean, you're putting it in flowery language there, but I mean, this is scientifically true. And we've I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. So when you eat spice, the reason yeah. it tastes good is because the spice is actually killing your taste buds physically. Yeah, it makes it makes it triggers the uh, feeling of heat, right? Well, it's also actually exterminating your ability to taste. Is it? It's not. Uh, I'd a myth. It's a real thing. <laughs> this is why if you eat so much spice that you're so used to it, you can't taste normal foods anymore. I had no idea, but I'm choosing to believe that because it confirms all of my biases. Oh, it's actually true. I don't care whether it's like, true. It's just, okay, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> a sincere problem because if this is why if you go to a country and just eat loads of spice food for ages until you acclimatize and then come yeah. back to the UK, you, you, you kind of fall out of love with our food. Because you're not actually able to taste it anymore. It's not, yeah. oh, I'm so used to something better. It's actually, you physically have destroyed your mouth you're, you're, and they now need time to regrow. You've got some sort of culinary disability from eating spices. Sincerely. Um, because, I mean, like, I, I was just speaking from a philosophical perspective. Surely this just shows... <laughs> just happened to stumble across the science. <laughs> well, no, it, it just happens to also be true. Uh, <laughs> we recognize the corrupting nature of spices and decide on the path of virtue and consider that your taste buds have been debauched and you are unable to detect quality. And this is what habituation is. Aristotle speaking through the ages, I'm telling you, right? I love how you've come across like some kind of monk. Yes. Like you put it in Christian language almost. Yes. Well, it's, it's virtue ethics. Okay. But it, but it is actually scientifically true. Yes. But that's, so is virtue ethics. But that doesn't matter because uh, it's hell with science. Anyway, people started posting pictures like this of me and they're like, oh yeah, like UK food is some kind of world-renowned delicacy. And it's like, that's an amazing looking meal. You describe it for people listening? And also yeah, it's really, really good quality bangers, mash, gravy, and peas. All appropriately uh, placed on the plate. So you can eat them separately or mix with whichever you like. Yes. 
buttered the bees, etc. And in fact, in, the in fact, this this in fact is the the crux of the problem of slop. It's actually the kind of sort of mass produced food for the mass man, right? If you mix everything together, a you can't really choose to taste anything because it's all mixed together in the same uh, bucket, presumably. I assume that is. But this is a mean example. A mean example. As in, like, I agree with you on the slop aspect, and the thing I was thinking of was like the canteens we read about in Maoist sure. China, China. I mean, this is. No, not I'm going to use this as an example. How okay. are you? How are you going to taste something that doesn't uh, come to your mouth totally coated in chili? You can't, right? That's the problem. How are you going to distinguish one flavor from another? You can't, as in, you can't actually savor and appreciate your meal. That bowl does taste all the same. You can exactly. Tell it. Exactly. Whereas with this, you 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 can actually choose how to craft the flavor yourself. There is a, a measure of sophistication that goes into uh, the, British, the British meal. But also the fact that these are decent quality ingredients that actually don't need to be bastardized with copious amounts of spices. It is a pleasure to eat mash and gravy or sausage and mash or whatever it is. These are enjoyable things, assuming your taste buds are intact. You know what I find funny? Yeah. This is also very similar, I feel, to Japanese food. Oh, yeah. Like, for some reason, you'll have people essing on British food, being like, it's bland, it's tasteless. But then when you talk about, like, rice and fish, yeah. all of a sudden, oh, Japan. But you have ri rice and raw fish. Yeah. <laughs> you... But again, like, it's not covered in spices. You do get, of course, spicy dishes yeah. in Japanese food. But yeah. it's, it's not like Indian food. That's not be silly. Mm. Like, if you're eating sushi, you actually have to have a clean palate to taste it. Yeah, you have to know what you're you're eating, and you can tell what you're eating, even though I really don't like the look of it. But anyway, so I carried on. The American's palate is so abused by the food of the foreigner that he can't distinguish flavors outside an extreme range. It's either blisteringly spicy or mind-numbingly sweet. He is the victim of culinary Stockholm syndrome. Uh, I got called a lot of names for that, but I stand by it all. Right, I am not not backing down on any of this. And so people would be like, oh. Look at that. And it's like, hang on a second. You are, and in fact, I said this, right? The American's palate is so debased, he can't appreciate the obvious excellent quality of the bread and the richness of the sauce. Because, of course, for non-UK viewers, there is a marked difference in the cheap nine pence a can baked beans and the sort of 50p a can baked beans. And it's in the quality of the sauce. Have you the seen the price of beans recently? No. I let, my wife, 50p. <laughs> I let my wife do the shopping. 140. Oh, what? Yeah. You're on a count of Heinz, it's 140 now. Jesus Christ. Okay. The quality. <laughs> Going back to the quality. Hey, look at a nine pence thing of baked beans. What are you talking about? <laughs> when I was your age, it was nine pence. All right. <laughs> like you could get like the cheapest, but the thing is, you knew you had the cheapest because there's no way the sauce would have that kind of consistency to it. It was literally runny. Uh, but, and then look at the bread. The bread's obviously of high quality. So he's, he's post. Bakery bread. Exactly. It's actually bread. Exactly, actually, <laughs> authentic bread, but also high quality bread. And so he's posting this high quality looking meal and being like, well, hang on a second. This, this is, look at this rubbish. And it's like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And that'll taste good. We actually did a segment on this a while back, if you remember. I do. Local American man ate beans on toast and then was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. We told you. I might, I might actually do a little video explaining it because it's like, look, if you've got to put a copious amount of salted butter under the beans for the maximum flavor. But anyway, I'll, yeah, yeah, and then the butter melts into the beans, yeah. and it just honestly, Americans, you don't know what you're missing. But anyway, I was reliably informed that, of course, uh, not appreciating Mexican food was racist. 
isn't this interesting that we're all talking about Mexican food and the only people talking are Americans? Yeah. I mean, it's not usually you talk about French food and then the British start getting upstarty about it. Culinary Stockholm Syndrome. That's what I was saying. They, they, they have been... But like, Anglo-American food's fantastic. Mm. Why not defend that? Mm. Like, American breakfast. I mean, there are some things I disagree with, but I can see that it's good. Yeah. But, I mean, burgers. Everyone yeah, loves burgers. Fantastic. I mean, even hot dogs, even though it's, you know, it's like yeah. the assholes of pigs and stuff. But, but it's, a, it's a good use for the unpalatable parts of an, of an animal. Cornbread. I've never actually had cornbread. Oh, it's amazing. Is it? I didn't realize how good it was. I thought it was mm-hmm. that's, yeah, well, that's fantastic. And that uh, is basically cake. I bet again. it's cake, yeah. But there's lots of things that make American food very nice. Yeah. But then why the hell are the Americans sitting there being like, yeah, you know, Taco Bell stuff? I tell you what, man. I went to Texas and they roast meat in a really, really good way. They, they, they've got, they do have some good spices, but it's not excessive. And it's not slop. You know, the, the meat is on the plate. It's separate from the other things. You can taste, you can choose to taste it if you want. Like, you're better than this yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. But for some reason, they were like, not our Mexicans. You <laughs> and honestly, it, st- it started going um, in a strange direction, right? So I had people saying things like, well, only a Brit could describe cheap canned beans as rich. It's like, this is your cheese. Yeah, that's one of the downsides of America. Although, the- American cheese is actually good for one thing, which is cheeseburgers. Because- oh, I thought you were going to say like repairing a hole in the wall. Well, that too, yeah. But it is the only cheese that will melt perfectly without cracking. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't have its. That's use. That's just one use. But I'm saying that if we're going to talk about quality of food, this is technically not a cheese. In America, this is registered as a cheese-like product. In the UK, it's a dairy-based product. Yes. So anyway, interesting. Let's carry on. Uh, I, I also have to take issue with a lot of American cooking, especially in the days of social media. Yeah, neo-American cooking. Yeah, neo-American cooking. Let's call it that. 21st century American cooking, right? Because I, I was only made aware of this because on my Facebook feed, a video came up of a woman with a slow cooker and she was pouring crisps into it. And I was like, right. And then she poured... <laughs> what do you I, mean, right? <laughs> well, no, I, I, I stopped to watch it because I was like, okay, where is this going? Like, what could she possibly be doing that for, right? And then she pours like, a bunch of milk in and then gets an entire stick of butter, pours that in, gets loads of cheese and then leaves it comes back and like starts smushing it all around. And I'm like, oh my God. And I mean, like she kept adding stuff to it. And I was just like, right, I don't ever want to hear American critiques of British cooking ever again. Right. And I, I, it turns out that this Lay's actually have a recipe for mashed potatoes that has a three out of five star rating, which is on their own website, on their own website, which is just like, this is slop. This is disgusting. Why would you do that? (laughs) It's just. I mean, to be fair, we should make it clear, I don't think many people in the United States are doing this, or at least I hope not. Well, like I said, there's enough that I saw women post, and, and this is not the only time I've seen it, and I've seen some atrocious things. I saw one woman make a lasagna out of hamburgers from McDonald's, literally unwrapped McDonald's hamburgers. Oh. Made a lasagna out of them as the, the base layer, and then pasta and cheese on top. Is this not trolling TikTok, though? I don't know. I don't know, right? I, and, but, but that's the point. It's that I don't know is the problem, right? Anyway. Moving on. So someone was like, yeah, so if you like spicy food, your taste buds are run through. I was like, yes, that's exactly what's happening here, right? Because that is exactly how the Americans reacted. They literally came up to, like, I, I, it was like I'd gone up to a woman and said, you had too many boyfriends. You're a slut. And they were like, no, I like my Mexican food. I'm not run through. My taste buds can still detect sweet and sour. 
I'm not a whore for Mexican food. How dare you accuse me of eating too much Mexican? And that was the reaction. I was like, damn, this is it. This is, this is the problem. And, the, the, and the, the problem with going up to a woman and saying, oh, you've had too many partners. She can't take it back. So she's left in a position where she just has to deny that you have moral legitimacy in your critique. And, uh, and that's kind of where the, the Americans were. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about food, are we? Both. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that's it. But the Americans reacted. I love you, Americans, but... You have no moral legitimacy in eating from Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. And, like, again, it, the, the memes just kind of fit themselves. Like, my taste buds, your taste buds. It, it, just, it just really worked. You know what's weird as well? is It's always quite exciting when an American fast food chain comes to the UK. Is it? Well, it is. <laughs> in a way, they're like, oh, my, they've opened their first store. Okay, let's go try yeah. it. And I've had this, like, yeah. because Reading used to be where I lived, and there were a lot open there because it's a testing ground. Yep. Wendy's. Absolutely fantastic. They got yep. closed down because of politics. political reasons. Yeah. yeah. Five and Guys is pretty good. Wingstop, not that great, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's one of the lesser interesting ones. Um, Chick fil A. Yeah. Whatever, you know. And then. We've got a Taco Bell in Swindon. Yeah, don't care. Mm. Interesting, that, isn't it? Have you not ever even tried Taco Bell? Yeah. Not worth the money. No, it's, it, there's, there's something about Taco Bell food that is really like unfulfilling. And I've yet to put my finger on it. I might, we, I might have to go there at some point for lunch to, to experiment a bit more because I went to America and they were like, right, what do you want? And I was like, uh, I'll have that. And it was just a bowl of beans or a bowl of rice. And it was just like beans and rice. It's like, that's not a meal. I just got robbed. I want meat. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, and, and it was all just mixed in. There was no, but like there was a kind of emptiness to the flavor as well. It's like, you know, there's the initial sort of strike of it, but there's not the, the, the body of it. That was really missing. But anyway, right. So it turns out the Americans are, are essentially abused by the Mexicans, in my opinion. Right? And that, then people are like, well, look, you're not even talking about like... Nothing to lose but your chains. <laughs> exactly. Like, free yourselves from this, Americans, right? Uh, they, they were saying, look, you're not even looking at what is happening to the food before it even gets to the point of cooking it. And it's like, yeah, that's a great point. Like, I really... I like with the women who are like, oh, why can I eat this bread? or I can't eat American bread. I, I think there are lots of additives and preservatives and various other things that are added to American food, which is not good for you. Right? So on day three, I was upgraded to white supremacist <laughs> for being against Mexican slop. And uh, Matt Iglesias caught wind of this, and he was like, the perfect Euro-rightist food take. Mexican food is bad because it's too flavorful. I mean, I'd just like to thank Matt. For, hang on, hang on, before we... I'd like to thank him for recognizing the brilliance of my take, right? That's why he, he, the perfect take, I agree, because it was my take. Uh, but also, Matt is unable to properly articulate what the problem is. The problem is actually not that Mexican food is too flavorful. It's not flavorful. That's why you need the spices. That's why you add all of this stuff to it. If you could eat the ingredients without loading them with literally, uh, tonsil searing taste bud destroying spices then you wouldn't have all of that chili but you can't that's the problem it's not too flavorful um but anyway then i started food posting just to really rub it in to be honest uh that was what i had on friday gorgeous not particularly looking great in terms of aesthetics but the flavor i can taste from here but i know that's good right the the funny thing is (laughs) the funny thing is look at the person below right Oh, unseasoned ground beef, instant mashed potatoes, and microwave, microwave broccoli, and instant packaged gravy. 
Are you mad? You exactly. No, of course that's not what I was having, right? The the broccoli I did boil just because I'm lazy, but my wife uses like this vegetable steamer, which is actually really good. But the mashed potato, I went to the shop, got like as fresh potatoes as I could get, peeled them by hand, mashed them, added loads of butter and salt, and of course made the gravy out of the fat from the uh, minced beef. So no, this is all fresh, all handmade. It was really good and it tasted delicious, frankly, as you would expect from a standard English meal. I love going in the face of these uh, stereotypes. Uh, but then AA started getting into it and be like, look, there's order and there's chaos. Yeah. I, I think AA really got to the nub of the issue for me personally. Yeah. With the visual aspects here. Yeah. The, 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 roast, the roast beef or roast pork, whichever that is, is order. As in, you have a plate that is arranged in a sensible manner in order to maximally enjoy the flavors of the food. And or you have slop. Look, I've got loads of different... I don't care. I, I don't care about how many and this, this cubes another, you have in your spice cupboard. Exactly. And this is another thing. It, the, the slop has a consistent flavor throughout the whole thing. Well, my meal is actually an adventure. You know, I'm going to eat a different... <laughs> like, I, 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 I might want some parsnip and some... Uh, cabbage and a bit of gravy. Well, I can make that happen. I can explore and experiment with what's on my plate when I'm not eating slop. I do very much agree. This is actually why I like Christmas dinner the most. Yeah. Because you can really just pick and choose. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet, but... On your own plate. Yeah, with higher quality. Yes. Not just... Exactly. You know, Different you, trays of this. You're, you're saying, oh, I think I've had too much cauliflower for now. Okay, well, I'm going to have something else. I'm just going to have literally meat and potato. Brilliant. You know, it's... Uh, like, I, I'm just saying slop appreciators will never understand. Right? And then drugs started getting in with, uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, no, this just popped up on someone's feed. Just Beard Meat Foods, very good guy. But mountain of Mexican slop. Yeah, I mean, I've never really got into nachos. No, they're disgusting. Why? I... <laughs> disgusting slop. Like, I Why would I eat Like that? one or two, because, oh, it looks nice. And then the rest of it, I just don't want to touch. I never even like the taste of them. I just think. But uh, yeah, not not impressed. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, then drugs started getting in with uh, slop unknown, just the memes, which are great. Anthony Bourdain traveling around the world saying this slop's amazing. I hate white people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a little bit me because I mean there is good food out there internationally. I mean, I think the Mexicans deserve a bit more than most. But yeah. there is also, as he points out, like what, what is this? Oh, it's a, that's a bowl of maggots. Yeah, there is also you know Asia. But we, we didn't even touch on Asian food, to be honest. That would be a long conversation. Some high victories and then just bugs. Yeah, I, lo I love Gordon Ramsay's slop kitchen. You call that slop? Where's the slopa de macaco um delicia? Where's the effing gutter oil? Yes, chef. Sorry, chef. I'll add more oil-based calories, chef. You're not supposed to wash your hands. Where's the effing lack of hygiene standards? And this kept going. Where are the? I haven't seen a single rat run across this kitchen all evening, <laughs> chef. I caught this barbecue for the main course, chef. <laughs> Have you seen the one, you know, you did Kitchen Nightmares? Yes. The worst episode cleanliness-wise, for some reason, it's an Indian restaurant. Right. Anyway, it really? goes in it. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, there's rotten food and cockroaches Imagine over all it. the fridges. Yeah, okay, but like... I was, no, no. No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so then people started uh, Brit-posting their food. Uh, this is a good, good old-fashioned beef Wellington, which, uh, I mean, that just looks amazing, doesn't it? This is one of my personal favorites. Yeah, I love beef Wellington. You, you, but it's it's my way of saying, look, like civ peak civilization. Yeah, not just to foreigners, but to other British people. You'd be like, yeah. this is what we. Yeah, this is a good day. You know, you you may be going to Greg's, but this is what you should be eating. Um, 
But this this is all stuff that was talked about by foreigners coming to England in previous generations. Uh, and if you want supporters, go and watch my uh, The English Are the Human analysis, uh, which is a Dutch professor that spent a year in England or a couple of years in England. And uh, he was like, the English are really weird and different to everyone else, everywhere else on earth. And in one part, he talks about English culinary habits. And this I found particularly interesting. I'm just going to give you a quote, right? He says that the English eat to live, whereas foreigners live to eat. And then he realizes why. He's like, why don't the English focus and hyper-obsess over their food? And then he realizes it's because English meat is fantastic. He says, quote... Our nickname is literally roast beefs. I know. I know. It's great. He says, we had boiled mutton for lunch, says an Englishman, without dreaming of mentioning whether it was accompanied by turnips or carrots. Who cares? I've discovered that the meat of England is peerless as it comes from cattle raised on pastures that have no rival in the world. They are the gift of the very climate. As in the Englishman's entire focus in the meal is what meat are you having? And that's literally, you don't even think about it until foreigner points it out. You're like, oh yeah, because if I go, what are you having for dinner tonight? You've had pork or chicken or something. You'll just talk about meat because it is assumed you'll have essentially fresh vegetables around it. And there's only a certain, you know, some range of fresh vegetables. And they're not the main point of the meal. The main point of the meal is the delicious taste of the high quality meat. That's why we're better than that. Anyway, then other people started getting it. Like Pedro posted this. And like, if Americans don't have exquisite cu- cuisine superior to Europeans, explain pulled pork and fried na- with nacho cheese. It's like, that doesn't look good. Look at those chips. Yeah, I mean, those, the, oh God. You know, we were talking earlier about run through women. Yeah. I mean, those chips. And then you, you're telling me, I mean, Pedro, man, I love you, man. I love your commentaries. But are you telling me your taste buds are not run through? Look at those chips. I mean, that's not even the good part of the pork either. Like, it's a really fatty, stringy part of the pork. It's like, okay. Just, yeah, like, I, can, I, can, I can cope with that. And then you've got... Yeah, but, like, dump the sauce. Just keep the pork. Get rid of no, the no, chips. That's like, you'd actually sauce. have a pile of meat to eat. That, that, that's liquid cheese. <laughs> Which, again, another American... American liquid cheese-like product. Another American abomination against food, right? But the, those chips kind of look like slugs. Yeah, I mean, some of them just... I mean, I think... I, they look like you could rinse them. Yeah. yeah. Was this once organic? You could take it and just <laughs> rinse it and Yeah, yeah. And refry another batch of chips out of it. Um yeah. Uh but anyway, yeah, AA kept on hammering the drum, which is great. Uh fish and chips, probably one of the most famous slops of all slops. And it's like, no. That doesn't make a slop is where everything is mixed together and you can't distinguish one flavor from another. Fish and chips is literally distinguished into two camps, the fish and the chips. It's explicitly not a slop by the very definition of what it is. Uh, but anyway, then he carried on. But yeah, oh no, Mexicans and the bugs. Oh no. Well, and they're not going to say no, are they? Well, um, apparently. But this is what I, I kind of like. like apparently, you're not. You can actually buy grasshoppers. This is what I like about the English speaking world, where the suggestion of eating bugs was responded with, go away, globalist. How dare you? Whereas in much of the world, the suggestion of eating bugs is like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Or we already do it. Yeah. Or this is an ancestral custom, actually. <laughs> As in, this, uh, if you can, can you bring up the third one there, right? Sure. Um, as it says, uh, you know, what was. The history of Mexican food. Yeah. The Mayans augmented their diet with maize, beans, uh, chia, and amaranth, and stingless bees to provide a tasty and nutritionally balanced low calorie meal. 
Yeah. That's a bit mine. What do you want? Yeah. But I was like, yeah, eat this loop. <laughs> Says High Priest Zekel Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, this meme, this meme actually was the, the gift that kept giving because then it was like, the gods demand to eat high quality meat. <laughs> Like, I fit just well, Eldorado posting now. <laughs> I am because it fits so perfectly well. Well, almost because I mean, you know, these guys turned up or actually became the Mexicans, sadly. Sure, but at least they were releasing them from High Priest Zeckel Schwab. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so I posted my Sunday roast, which people were like, well, the, the beef's a little overcooked. It's like, yeah, it is a little bit, but uh, I'm not allowed to critique my wife's cooking in public. So. <laughs> And then you pointed out that a lot of food that we consider to be like traditional food is actually really recent and invented in the 20th century. Yeah. Which is true. Like fajitas were invented in the 1930s. Oh, it's this classic dish from the olden times. Of the no. Yeah. This, this is irritatingly common as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of food, like spaghetti was, invented, I think, like the 60s, yeah. spaghetti bolognese. I mean, at least, really? at least with beef wellington, we can literally say that goes back to. The Battle of Waterloo. Yeah. That's at least 200 years old. There's, there's an irritating amount of like, ah, oh, traditional food from my culture. And it's like, yeah, it's from the 60s. I was like, ah, bugger. Yeah. Speaking of, the bread. But anyway, I, I consider Slopgate to be an unmitigated win for British food and a complete L for Americans and Mexicans uh, who are the slop appreciators in this particular war. Um, you don't have to abuse your taste buds. You can appreciate good food. I know you've got good food. You can learn to enjoy it. Where's Linda there? I didn't want to talk about other things, but we don't have enough time. I'd love to make some kind of concentrated, like, stop eating the slop direct video. You can do that if you I think want. That might be good. Why not? Just like, look, here's all the Anglo American food. Isn't this glorious? This is why you eat this at Thanksgiving and so forth. For some reason, you don't go and get a pile of slop at Thanksgiving. It's a bit weird. You, you weird, should absolutely make that video. Why, why, why Christmas do Americans not go out and eat tacos? I don't know. It's almost, almost like it's a special day. You should, <laughs> you, you should absolutely do that. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll uh, get back to uh, Well, it's not. I mean, again, it's not even like you shout at the Americans. It's just like, you know, sort yourself, wear a shirt, you bastard. Why, why, <laughs> why are you giving in to these Mexican tricks? Yeah. That's all I'm saying been perverted by Taco Bell executives who were just like, exactly. yeah, give me your money. Would you, you like a fajita? No. You stand by that point as well. It's funny, in the office, the Taco Bell opened in Swindon and just none of us were interested, really. Yeah. I might go there just to be dis... I'll film a little video there. Just <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Let's talk about the least incompetent laborites. Uh, there's a gang of them. We're actually concentrated. No, no, there was a gang of them. Well, yeah, now they're um, <laughs> now they're all kicked out of the party. <laughs> yeah, now they're all unemployed. Yeah, uh, for people who don't know, uh, Leicester East is a wonderful part of the country and is is zero point zero percent English. No, no, that's not true. Just parts it, of it. it. It's it's about eighty five percent diverse. Yeah, it is. But some areas in the eastern part are one hundred percent diverse. That's true. That's one hundred point zero percent. Yep. Well, 120%, frankly. So, definitionally better than the rest of Leicester. But for some reason, we're not able to figure out um, that part of Leicester is also occupied by a group of insane people really? who have, have got all the power um, because it's you know so diverse. Of course, it's Labour. Mm. And they were so insane, even the Labour Party had to throw them on. Mm. They've all been kicked. Now, Bad. to get this in context, I think people should go and check out on the website the Labour Party Conference Bridge series I did which is basically just video evidence of them talking. So just, just a quick thing. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm supporting Keir Starmer, 
because I'm not. But this is what he had to fight against. This is the condition of the party he inherited from Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, just look at this image. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, go on. There's, there's lots to view. This is episode one, and they're all mental. Yes. And keep that in mind, like the average. But, the, the, but this is what Keir Starmer has had to essentially kick out of the party. Um, but that's, but that's the average, though. That is. So to actually, he didn't really kick these people out so much. He kicked out a few. Mm-hmm. But to get actually properly the whole area kicked you, out of the party. Fair, he kicked out Jeremy Corbyn and loads of them left. That's true. Like literally hundreds of thousands of them left. But we're not talking today about rabid socialists who uh, keep telling you about how North Korea is paradise. No, no, no. We're, we're talking about people who are just diversity hires, yep. don't really know how many feet they've got. Yeah. Like if you tell them to count it, it would, you'd be happy if you got two. You get a Diane Abbott sort of yeah. calculation out. That's the kind of stupid we're dealing with today. And um, you may remember that it's also where my favorite MP is from. So this mm-hmm. is the news that the whole branch got kicked out there just in the BBC three days ago. This is the MP who I did. No, no, the, the former MP. <laughs> yeah, she former got, MP. She, she's what? an in, former Labour MP, now independent MP for Leicester East, Claudia Webb. They still hang out with her for some reason. If you ever check with her parliamentary photos. I'm, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Because uh, I, I bet they're like, yeah, I can't believe Keir Starmer actually applied the, the rules as written. So this is, this is her here with her boyfriend who she dearly loved. Um, and then it turned out he was uh, cucking her with uh, a local lady. And she was sending angry threats. Yep. An MP has lost her appeal against yep. the conviction for harassment of the cuck. Yep. Shoot the person. Al- although the judge apparently did overturn the allegation that she threatened to acid attack someone. Well, it's not quite that. So, really? Um, well, uh, firstly, what do you, so she's the cuck. Yep. What do you call the lady cucking her? The cuck? The cucker? The bull? Bull. All right. So the, the mayor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the bull and this guy were, were going at it, and the cuck over here was getting cucked, and um, she didn't like that. So she uh, started making angry calls to the bull, uh, including she said in one of the calls, "You should be acid." So that statement. What does she mean by that? Still there. By that. She, she incredibly denies, poor grammar. Yeah. I mean, again, the whole these people can't count their feet. I think more truth in that. Not sending their best. Yeah. Um. But. What, she denies that she meant that she was going to throw acid. She just said, you should be acid. What does that mean? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? She then made 17 further phone calls, uh, each of them lasting a maximum of 14 seconds, where she would presumably just call up and shout swear words right. at the bull and then hang up. I mean, I, I, don't am, know. I, 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 I can empathize. You know, he's cheated on her. She's angry. Bloody, bloody. And then just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she's Indian. Yep. <laughs> either way. She was given a suspended sentence and then kicked out of the party. So that's, that's your MP for the local area. Well, um, you may remember she was an interesting individual because most people would just disappear. Just as a quick thing, the fish rots from the head down. Carry on. That's, that's true. Because here was her response, which is for after she was sentenced for committing a crime, she cited she stood in solidarity with Palestinian prisoners on hunger strikes. Ah, yes. Basically the same thing. I am them. And then if you criticize me, you just hate black women. was her, <laughs> her follow-up. Um, consistently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just so weak. It, it, it's so weak. It's like, yes, I've just been convicted of these crimes, but if you say that, you just hate black women. It's like Claudia. A lot of people hate black women. It seems <laughs> Keir Starmer hates black women. That judge hates <laughs> black women. The woman I was threatening hates <laughs> black women. Like, come on, Claudia. That's cucking up was also a black woman. Uh, here's the news as well. People found out that, yes, she is indeed a... Uh, of course, she's a domestic. Well, a rigged individual in which she was on a rigged shortlist. So that, of course, the... Even then, she didn't make the final cut. Amazing. 
No, she then had to find another rig shortlist to put her on. So that's that's how that happened. <laughs> so she's actually such a bad diversity hire, even the diversity <laughs> list, she got kicked off and moved on to the other, you know, I don't know, mentally handicapped list. I don't even know. What is the word for people with severe Down syndrome? And how do you, how do you, well, not even that, like, how do you fail on an all diversity hire shortlist? Not knowing basic grammar, the looks of it. Anyway, but the question being, like, why is the whole branch? I mean, like, I know sometimes you got to throw the whole baby out, but like, you know, the whole thing, really? Wasn't there a massive vote, a ballot rigging thing in Leicester East as well? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure there may have been an older one. Yeah, than, from uh, yeah, from like a decade ago or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. No, uh, the previous MP held that seat for 33 years in a row. Keith Vaz, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Uh, foreigners who don't know, or people who might not know, um, Keith Faz was a wonderful Labour MP who did hard work and then was caught on camera hiring rent boys and offering them <laughs> cocaine. Uh, at which point, <laughs> average Labour MP. <laughs> the previous 33 years were brought into question as to what he might have been up to, considering that he thought this was a normal thing to do. I mean, to be fair, is vote rigging better or worse? You know, and, and being a boy lover on drugs. Um, well, we'll let the electorate decide that, I suppose. <laughs> Will they? Or, or rig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will they decide that? Anyway. <laughs> oh, look, 99% of them love it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but the news being, I mean, the, the whole thing, I've heard, I you know, this might be a minor story, you might think, but seriously, yeah. I don't remember this happening. Ever. Like, the Labour no. Party just says the whole thing's got to go. A whole constituency. I've never heard of any party doing this. So they write in here, the National Committee purged 19 of its own councillors <clears throat> ahead of elections. That's pretty normal. Average Leicester East. There's like development. 50 seats, and you just decide to purge 19 of your own members. Yeah. From being and that's all of them. Yeah. This was uh, slammed as undemocratic by the local branch. They were pretty annoyed about that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> tell me about democracy, Leicester East. Yeah. I'm all ears. Um, they said the reason this was so terrible is that a majority of those deselected belonged to ethnic minorities, which led to further criticism. <laughs> Okay, yeah. The late party responded with saying that, well, everyone's an ethnic minority, so that'll be easy to replace. Uh, no, they said they, they'd pick candidates who represent the community, which is the same word I said. But it's, it's, I can't, I probably, I probably will get in legal trouble if I say what. Do you remember the last? What one? this implies. Yeah. Anyway, do you remember the last local elections? Um, well. Some news? There's a really weird leaflet from the Conservatives. Do you remember that one? About Hindu phobia? Not offhand, actually. Because, I mean, that's their main campaigning. Point. Right. It's just God bless him. Right, right. So, we see here, this yeah. is a Labour Party removes all Hindu councillors. And yep. this was a list of the councillors that were all purged and are now part of the Conservatives or Independent or whatever else. Yeah. And this was the main thrust of British politics now, which is um, God bless India. I love Hindu nationalism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I prefer it over Pakistani nationalism, to be honest. I, I preferred it when like we talked about the economy. Well, yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Can't have everything. I, so, I am going to side with India on this. This was the uh, reason for the uh, cancerous inter-ethnic conflict that has nothing to do with any of us. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. What's this got to do with me? Did you know the Somalis and the Ethiopians are fighting in Detroit? Well, what was going oh, on? Oh, wow. They're so American. Did you see the thing in Israel the other day where Modi's, uh, not Modi, um, yeah, he was gonna like. I'm gonna deport all the Africans. There was two two groups of Africans fighting. One in blue shirts and one in red shirts. What the hell are they fighting over? I have no idea. Team Fortress too. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Literally like Team Fortress <laughs> on the streets of Tel Aviv. It's like what? And Netanyahu's just like yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're not 
worthy enough to even be a counselor for all the you know seriousness that that position has been treated with and mainstream politics that i yeah i think your office probably not be here anyway but these morons and the people who all got kicked out by the Labour party because they were so inconfident even they wouldn't have them yeah by the looks of it um they started their own party you oh can see, new good luck with Labour that party. Yeah. they all lost their seats 100 percent of them <laughs> um yeah so there's that it's like change uk all over again so you, you think okay well they purged the local party then why are they banning the whole thing yeah well what they were left with was even more incompetent people who decided to call in, as mentioned, boy lover and drug lover, Keith Vaz, to campaign for them locally. Amazing. For some reason. Um, the, the candidates who did end up winning because their name is something like uh, Rajul, and that's why they won, let's be frank. That's literally all it takes. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a red rosette and a foreign name? Yeah. Um, that, that is actually how the elections work there. I'm not even joking. No, I know. Um, so there we are. Um, there, there is a question here about, you know, the diversity high before, who was on drugs and rent boys, and diversity hired now, who was on maybe acid and getting cucked. I mean, it's not the best leadership in the world. But for some reason, they're, they're quoted as saying that Keith Baz, the boy lover and drug lover, uh, plays a prominent role in the community still. So it turns out this weird endorsement was actually good for the local branch, but obviously kind of embarrassing for the whole party when it's like, eh, remember how we got rid of him for a reason? A bit embarrassing. For the wider community, yeah, in general as well. He was removed by Andrew Bridgen, actually. Good man. Get back to that later. Yeah. Well, should we check out the kind of community that that loves this? Why well, it's this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah yes. Uh, local neighbourhood there of zero point zero percent. The surrounding parts, obviously, slightly yeah. more. <laughs> slightly more. Not point eight percent. Yeah, slightly more. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, the the one little old English lady who just doesn't know that. She's blind or something. Yeah, this is this is Leslie. She can go down, as I've mentioned previously. It's a wonderful tool if you're looking to buy a new house. Uh, you can see the local area in detail for some reason. And um, you can notice, you know, yeah. there you are. Anyway, so that community, well, that community seems to not care if you're corrupt or violent because mm. the latest polling is that they've gotten even more labor, as you can see. Previously 50%, and then the next diversity hire, Claudia Webb, got kicked out for the violent threats, and they went up 16% of the polls. To be, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that shows you how much of a, a dead weight Claudia Webb was. But it, it also shows you just the loyalty of the constituencies. Like, look, we have got the second worst MP that Leicester East has ever had currently in there, uh, but we are still Labour people. Yeah. Um, how do you know they're Labour people? Well, this website here, Electoral Calculus, um, also gives you a bunch of data, which uh, you know I'm not allowed to talk about. I will. Here you go. Here's the employment rate, 54%. Yeah, but does that include the slaves? No. Right. So, so even of that. non-slaves, um, the unemployment rate is apparently 46% there. That's, that's, that's healthy. Not double digit in unemployment, almost half unemployment. That's yep, yep. going well. Um, 65% live in deprived areas. So oh, yeah. 55% level of deprivation. So this is like Claudia Webb's old Fife. Yeah. I mean, it literally is a hive city, Leicester East, looking at the statistics. For some reason, there's some local news I want to go through, though. Just oh, to, yeah. as a flavor of what the kind of thing is like there. Yeah. Um, to see why this place yeah. is so cursed that even the late party won't have it. Well, here's a local pride story. Yeah, pride in Leicester. Oh, wow. You notice anything? I mean, it's very... Ethnically homogenous? Yeah, it is. And we're not saying that because it's all Hindus. No. 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 Weird that. I think this is Leicester West, not Leicester East. Right. Because this whole town is segregated. Right. Yeah. 
that I have Sauron by the looks of it. Should we take out another story? This is a story I think is from Leicester East, for some reason. Uh, Mika Bakari over here, and her mum has been jailed for a car crash in oh. which they murdered people. That's, that's, um, it's, it's a weird story, but the point being, everyone involved um, comes from the same background yep. by the look of it. So I suppose I'll just uh, put it down to here. There we are. So Mika and Aslan Bukhari recruited others before killing Sadiq Hussein and Hazim Ijahal. I can't know. Uh, the fatal car crash in Leicester, just average Leicester, came after Mr. Hussein threatened to reveal an affair he'd been having with Aslan. Uh, the judge said Aslan's head had been turned by perceived glamour of her TikTok career of her daughter. Uh, she appeared in online promotions and shisha bars. Um, so there are three men convicted of manslaughter. Sanef Gullah Mastahafa, uh, Amir Jamal, and Nakasha Akata. Yep, life sentences for Rikin Kawin and Arace Jamal. Uh, Jamal over there got an extra five years for a rape sentence he uh, had right. not served. My point being, quite stark differences in the town, depending on which side of the town you're on. Yeah. Just happens to be the case. And the time on the side we're on with the people getting kicked out is entirely uh, this one, where the 0.0% exists, and also 10,000 slaves. Yes. We've been through previously. As Andrew Bridgen revealed, yes. I believe this is about, what, one in eight people in Leicester East? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Portably a slave, so yep. that's going well. It's also, Andrew mentions, the largest spike in COVID uh, cases was in Leicester East for some okay. reason. Anyway. The least concerning thing about Leicester East, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's just funny how the disease seems to cluster around poor conditions. But there we are. Here you have the details. Every MP is Labour. Um, the constituency, all Labour, only got lowered 16% by recent events. But if you go back, I mean, forever, I mean, here's the map before. Yeah. That's nice and diverse. Uh, map before that. Should we, should we have a look? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Nice diverse people listening. It's all red. And the point being, you. So, could... Labour's immigrant slave city. Yeah. I mean, so they've had MP control for the last 36 years minimum, the Labour Party. Um, in Labour West, they've had it for 78 years. So that's part of the problem. The mayor has been Labour for 12 years. That's because that's when the position was invented. Yeah. Uh, the council. Thanks, has... Tony Blair has been either in control of them for 16 to 44 years, depending on how you count it. Right. And for some reason, at every single level of government being Labour, the Labour Party wants nothing to do with this place. Amazing. Because it turns out... Look at what we've done to this place. Yeah. It's now a foreign land, a slaver stronghold, has mass deprivation, and it's also a hotbed of disease, is the accurate description of this place in which they've had total control for decades. And the leadership consists of a boy lover high on cocaine, a uh, female stalker, and incompetent diversity hires from the Hindu and Muslim community. There we are. That, that's how you get kicked out of the Labour Party. You have to be apparently this bad after decades of power. And I just think that's a beautiful way to tell people about the Labour Party. What does it look like if you really did live in their paradise? Yeah. Well, here you are. I mean, I, I mean not exactly gangster's paradise, but... Enjoy the future if that's where you look live. At, look at that. Labour, 52 seats. Conservatives, one. Yeah. Democrats, one. What, what is even the point? There's probably more opposition in North Korea. Uh, there is, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if, um, John, I'm supposed to make that point. Could you just type in North Korean elections real quick? And uh, we'll look at the state elections. There is actually more opposition, weirdly enough. Did you know there are three parties in North Korea? I had no idea. Yeah, so there's more parties with more seats than in um, Leicester East. This is Wikipedia over here. Should we check out the 2019 yeah, yeah, North yeah, Korean no, elections? No. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious. We got the the father, the Workers Party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if we can get to. Uh, does it have the breakdown or not here? 
And there we are. There you go. Right, okay. Got the independence, right. and the other party's there. So you're not even wrong. They've got five seats. These people. Amazing. <laughs> so they, they they've got more seats in North Korea. Yeah. Than the Conservatives do in Leicester East. These guys, which um, uh, I think they're the ones in Japan who get their own seats for that Amazing. reason. Amazing. And then if we go back, there's actually even more diversity in their elections too. It's kind of turned into a North Korean segment, but there we are. These other people. Hey, got 22 seats. Incredible. Yeah. Anyway, point yeah. being, um, yeah, it's amazing how bad things can get. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyway, so moving on, I wanted to talk about a, an article in Wired magazine that I found that is uh, just fascinating, frankly, um, because uh, it, was, it was inevitable that eventually someone was going to make the argument that preferring your own children to other children is in some way just immoral. And that's literally the title of this article. Preferring biological children is immoral. How dare you? So they say most people say they want their kids to be their own genetic offspring, but such a desire is in conflict with other evolving values around parenting and family. Well, we have evolving values now. Values, they're evolving. They're not standing still. You don't value, you know, your kids. No, no, no. That's an archaic, primitive throwback morality. The evolving, modern, progressive world means you have to prefer children that aren't your own. I mean, evolving means with the march of time, things would change. Yes. There's been a lot of time in between now and the past. Yes. For some reason, only now. For some reason, only now. So they say for most most of Western history, it was a given that a parent would want their children to be their direct progeny. Is it Western history? Is that Western history? Is it all history? all the time, everywhere. A child's bi- biological provenance was believed to be the, the, believed to ground the parent-child relationship in a hardwired, irrevocable bond. Because it did. If anything, it was morally preferable that your child be directly related to you, since this was thought to provide a healthy foundation for growth and self- self-actualization. But no, also because it's yours. There's a lineage. You can already see that this now, the locus of focus on this is not, no, no, it's to provide a healthy foundation for growth and self-actualization. So it's, it's utilitarian in conception. There's another conception that's actually, no, it is my lineage that is transmitting through the ages that is required to go through my biological children. So that's really what people in the previous um, non-modern eras would have had primarily in their forefront, in their minds. And one bioethicist says... Uh, that he expresses this line of argument when he writes that, to, that knowledge of one's biological parents is a basic good on which most people rely in pursuit of self-knowledge and identity formation. Yes. Totally true. Completely straightforward. There's nothing wrong with that. This is, in fact, the crux of Burke's reflections on the Revolution of France. The family is a, a, a metaphysical continuum through time occupying a particular place which carries with it the inheritance and traditions of a community. It's precisely the point. It's like all of the work we've been doing on the website actually kind of forms a nexus on this article. In fact, we're going to get back to other things that we have done to continue proving these points. So anyway, returning to the article, it carries on. Yet this prioritization of biological inheritance, biologism, some people call it, has recently become unsettled. Has it become unsettled? Do we agree that it's unsettled? 
Previously, if you gave birth to a child, it was a simple certainty that they were genetically related to you. A biological fact was inextricably linked to their existence. Over the past few decades, however, practices like gestational surrogacy have shown that this need is not this need not be the case. Evolving family structures, advancements in fertilization, and embryonic screening technologies, and changing moral sentiments have all contributed to the growing reevaluation of this deceptively simple preference. Once we begin to disentangle what is truly possible from what we assumed was necessary, we are forced to look at this natural preference with fresh eyes. That's right. Because we've become freakish machine men who view the body as fungible material, our very morality has come into question. Well, this is what C.S. Lewis was talking about, the abolition of man, actually. <clears throat> that nature is something merely there to be conquered. And in fact, nature is the name we give to things that we have already conquered. And that, of course, the human being is just mere flesh. That's it. Um, I'll go back to the uh, article. Uh, he carries on. What we find is that when contextualized amongst our other modern ethical norms, this preference can feel downright ancient, a vestigial remnant of a different epoch, a fossil no longer animated by the same moral, intu moral intuitions that gave it gravity in the past. Is this person living on Jupiter or something? Well, these ancient moral intuitions, parents don't really care about their kids. We have evolved past that. In fact, many of the arguments that might be made in favor of this prejudice run precisely counter to other changing attitudes towards parenting, family, and the role of biology and culture. I'm just going to check. Does this author have kids? I'm assuming no, right? But the thing is, they're really selling it to me. They're right. We should promote this ancient and pure morality. This is exactly as they're right. The, the change in the modern world has been entirely for the bad, and actually we should return to these traditions. I completely agree with them. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> At the heart of biologism is the question of whether it is permissible to consider a child's genetics when deciding to become a parent. Again, you, you can see that this is all stuff we've already covered. Uh, our improving ability to screen genet uh, genetically screen embryos and the continued development of assisted reproductive technologies have enabled prospective parents to assess potential embryos for hundreds of traits, blah, 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 and therefore we're getting into a kind of eugenicist position. Uh, and this, they say, has given a new sense of urgency to the thorny issues regarding how and to what extent biology should play into the decision to have a child, as it's clear that these considerations will play some role in the future. And again, we've arrived at this sort of brave new world perspective, where the children aren't even really connected to you. In fact, are they really anyone's children? Is this something that actually we should really be considered about? Is it actually immoral? to care about your own children. Are you, in fact, John the Savage? I take it you've not found this person's children. Well, the only thing I found is they live in New York City, and that kind of answered the question for me. Yeah, I think it does. But the point is, as you can see, they're bringing about the situation where John the Savage is such an ancient throwback, this primitive morality, that the moderns, us advanced, enlightened moderns, just can't even understand his perspective. You think your kids should be related to you? Are you a bad person? Is there something wrong with you? Don't you want to be genetically tampered with? You freak. Literally <laughs> where they're at. I was watching a video recently, mm -hmm. and there's a TikTok of a thirty-something sink. You remember what sinks are? Single income, no kids. Oh yeah, yeah. 
which um, again is only a term women would ever use. Yes, I love the idea of a man being like, "I've got to go to single income." <laughs> anyway, so he's uh, sorry. She sat there and she's boasting about yeah. how you parents, oh God, you you don't get to have the great life I do because I watched. Uh, I got up this this weekend and stayed in bed. So that was what I wanted to do. And then I saw a video about how to make shishishku. I saw this dish I've never heard of. I saw this video. Yeah. And she, she claimed to be 29, but it's like, you don't look 29. And then she mentions that, well, the rest of my day, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go to an Adele concert at midnight or one in the morning because I feel like it. And isn't that great that I don't have to, oh God, have all the, the burdens that you guys do with taking care of your kids and doing the chores and having errands to run? And all the comments are just like, go, you need to get some kids. Like just, your life is just awful by the sounds of it, frankly, because you're boring. Didn't she watch shows like Real Housewives and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, so she watches all these shows about people who have families. The least interesting person in the world. Yeah. Because even you've got all this time, you're doing nothing with it. Yeah. Like literally, I'm just, a, I'm just existing until I die. That's all they do. But the thing is, I'm just sat there thinking, well, I get up. I mean, I get up when I want because I run the business, but I want to get up in the morning. So there's no... Like it, there's something very slovenly about sleeping until midday anyway. But I get up and my six-month-old daughter is in the same room and she always wakes up early. And so I wake up to these beaming smiles because she hasn't seen me for like eight hours. And then she's like, oh, daddy. And so she's just nothing but smiles and giggles and like burbles and stuff, which is great. I get up, I go to work. I have a great job. I, I really like where I work. I go home and my kids are like, daddy, when I walk through the door and they come and give me a big hug. And then like this weekend, it was my birthday. And so everyone, like they had like a big, party for me in a big barbecue and so loads of my family came over and like all the kids were running around and just hanging out with my family and it was amazing and i'm just like wow i would so prefer what i have compared to what she has and i get that you know you can definitely tell us about the glories of having kids i can but that lady there i kind of act you know in the comments were just mm. go get some kids but her sincerely i think that individual probably is quite happy doing what she's doing even though it's you know not interesting in the slightest and a complete waste of time if she is, why does she feel the need to make a video about it? Why doesn't she just go and watch The Real Housewives? Well, that's the, the thing. Like this person here writing, I sincerely believe that there is actually some significant and increasing percentage of people my age and uh, younger and so forth and a little bit older who are getting to that part in life when these questions come up and then just deciding, nah, what if I just have fun all the time? As in, I do what I want because I've got money and therefore no kids and no responsibilities. But, I mean, even if you're going to do that, at least do something interesting. For God's sakes, don't just sit there watching Real Housewives. But I am doing what I want. Anyway, so uh, they, they carry on. Uh, saying, a few core beliefs have already solidified. Namely, we have converged on the idea. Oh, we've, this is just consensus now, by the way. We've converged on the idea that if biology is to be a factor at all, it should only be considered insofar as it prevents harm and suffering. Right, so it's purely utilitarian. So there's no metaphysical transmission of your father and his traditions onto you and the morality that he infuses in you that you should pass on to your son, including your name, the, the heritage that you've been given. There's nothing of that. No, no, it's just about preventing harm and suffering, uh, which I totally disagree with. I think there's a lot more to consider than that. But, uh, but they, they say, oh, well, as, uh, as one uh, MIT, uh, Laura Hersher puts it in the MIT Technology Review, Public opinion on the use of assisted reproductive technology consistently draws on a distinction between preventing disease and picking traits. Studies like the one condu conducted by the Johns Hop John Hopkins Genetic and Public Policy Center seem to indicate this intuition is broadly shared. 
Anything more than this minimal scope, and we begin to veer into the gnarled territory of gene fetishes and optimization logics well trodden by eugenicists. Right, so what are people appealing to there? They're not appealing to utility. They're saying, no, there is something, in fact, sacred about the nature of human reproduction, about the fact that it's not in our control, that is, in some way, out of bounds. We shouldn't be interfering in this way. So they carry on. If we accept this argument, then the relevant question becomes whether a child's genetic providence, their biological resemblance to the parent, prevents suffering. I mean, that's true. If we completely strip away the metaphysical concerns about the question of parentage and relationships, then yes, it does, it does literally boil down to that. But that's because you have malformed the argument and the concerns that are in play. We can quickly begin to sense the, the difficulty in justifying that it does. It's unclear what sort of negative outcome being avoided by opting for, uh, is being avoided by opting for a genetically related child. This biological fact appears largely irrelevant to their well-being, especially when compared to those features that we do deem permissible for consideration. Plotted against the scale, priority, prioritizing relatedness appears far closer to selecting for an arbitrary feature like height, as if height has no bearing on a person's like life than selecting against a deadly degenerative neural disease. So we have arrived in the realm of pure materialism at this point, and we are prepared to treat mere nature as something to be conquered. Proponents of biologism might argue that these ties do in fact produce significant relationship between the parent and child that proves critical to their happiness. Again, we're fully in utilitarian mode. It is purely, are the numbers going to go up or not? Um, they explain all of this, but the thing is, actually there are lots of studies that suggest that, yeah, it's bad to be adopted. It would be preferable to have your own biological parents being your parents. Um, obviously, it's better than not having a parent to be adopted, you know, better than being an orphan. Um, but it's still, I mean, as they say in this, um, they have lower academic performance, more increased diagnosed disabilities, more likely to go on to be drugged, drug addicts and homeless. Blah, 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 blah. Really have to prove that being an orphan is bad. Yeah, exactly. And being adopted is not the equivalent of having the love of your own biological parents. Um, but it is better than not having any parents at all. But I mean, big deal. You know, that's not what's in question here, right? So anyway, to carry on. On the contrary, this biological desire reinforces norms that we are explicitly aiming to dismantle. Right. There we are. That's, that's the line that reveals everything about this, right? This is the nub of the issue. The biological desire reinforces norms that we are explicitly aiming to dismantle. Why are you explicitly aiming to dismantle the bond between a parent and their biological child. What is in it for you? That's the question. They are not moral uh, scientists. They are not people who are discovering what good and bad are. They are moral alchemists. They are trying to create a new morality out of something else because they've decided that, no, the traditional morality is archaic. We are discovering new ways of existing, and so we need to make sure that has the veneer of morality about it, even though the things that they are doing are actually immoral. Right? They carry on. Uh, this places undue emphasis, as in the, the biological desire to have your own children, places undue emphasis on genetic similarity as a criterion for our ethical relations, running against our stated hopes to expand our nets of responsibility and care beyond the borders of nation, ethnicity, culture, and even species. So there we go. This is the morality of the globalist. Right? The globalist thinks it is immoral to have a particular concern for any parochial uh, group. Like Even down to your own children, the globalist will look at this and say, well, that is unethical. 
Why should you prefer that child to another child? Because it's mine. It's literally the only reason. And it's like the only reason I need to have, and it's good enough. Like I do not need some moral alchemist coming along and trying to reformulate all of morality. So the, my moral constituency is the entire human race all the time. Like, that's mad. As, she's, as they say, instead, it normalizes a certain conception of families that reinforces these parochial categories. I'm in favor of these parochial categories, right? Because this is the very heart of what Rousseau is doing with liberalism. This is the, the very, very essence of what liberal morality comes to. I'm unable to distinguish between one human and another when making a moral calculus. And so the entire human race must be the same to me, or I am a bad person. Isn't that mental that a parent would find, like Rousseau did? Rousseau put all five of his children up for adoption because he was a piece of ass, right? He totally absconded his own moral obligations as a father to these children and just left them God knows what ends, right? And this is what they want for everyone. They want you to not think you have a moral obligation to your own children. You have a moral obligation to everyone else instead. Anyway, going on. It's for a similar reason that bioethicists like Hain Wang have pushed back against the desire for prioritizing racial sameness when selecting gametes for assisted reproduction, arguing that this practice ultimately perpetuates a particular normative conception of family that places undue emphasis on resemblances based on racialized traits. Again, the the year zero nowhere man that liberalism is trying to create is coming through here. Or alternatively, you can say, well, the normative family is actually good, though, because it is. That's probably why it's normative. That's actually why almost every single culture in all of human history, for the entire history of mankind, all across the world, has had a normative family structure that is based on descent. Yes. It is a good thing for a human relative to what the universe is to have that. And so what they're like is, okay, well, we need to change the universe in order to make it so that the human can be essentially decanted from a goddamn uh, baby grower in Brave New World. It's like, I don't want this future. This is a horrific future. And the morality that underpins it is immoral itself. And they will stigmatize you as being immoral. Not having it. Using things like biological similarity to ground a parent-child relationship deconstructs the notion that parents should love their children unconditionally, undermining what uh, scholar Rosalind McDougall calls the parental virtue of acceptance. Right. So now they think you should have conditional love for your own children if you love them at all. This is evil. This is just openly and flatly evil to try and interfere with the bond, the relational moral bond between a parent and their own children. That's an evil thing to do. Only an evil person does it. And these people are doing it in the name of liberalism, in the name of the universal man. This is an evil thing. Moreover, they carry on, the argument that this genetic tie has unique intrinsic value because it is natural steps into particularly dangerous territory. Oh, yes, natural things. Particularly dangerous territory, right? It's precisely this argument that has been used for decades to discredit same-sex couples as unfit to be parents. Right. So who's it dangerous to? It's not dangerous to the children. It's not dangerous to the children to say, oh, it's natural that you should have your own biological parents. That's completely safe for the children. That's the best possible scenario for the children. It's dangerous for LGBTQ ideology. Good. Good. 
oh no, what will we do without it? <laughs> exactly, right? And this ties into an interesting conversation I had with Philip Tanza about why he thinks that actually the T's belong with the LGs and B's. Because actually, the gender roles for lesbians and gays are actually not the same as for heterosexual people. These things are actually different. All of these things are in fact so different that actually they do kind of belong together in a way and separate from the heterosexuals who have to deal with the opposite sex. Because that's the thing. These people don't have to deal with the opposite sex. And so the gender roles are not the same. These things are, I don't want to say unnatural because I don't want to sound like I'm stigmatizing, but there is a qualitative difference between these things. Unusual. Unusual is a good way of putting it, but it's qualitatively different. It's not the same for two gay men to go out together as it is for a man and a woman to go out together. It's just not the same thing. Anyway, going back, an appeal to naturalism also easily leads into what bioethicist, some retard, calls patriarchal prejudices. I'm in favor of patriarchal prejudices completely. The idea that it's only natural for mothers to serve as primary caretakers because of their biological gestational relationship with the child. Well, I'm guessing... I can't chest feed it, mate. So what do you want? I'm guessing (laughs) Ezio Di Nucci doesn't have kids. Because if you did, you'd see that actually there is something that goes on uniquely between a mother and their children. This is... You can't help it. But even if you're so brain dead to not pick up, like you're, you're completely autistic, you, you can't, like, I mean, physically, you cannot understand other people's emotions or facial features. You can see that, like, the kid isn't going to, it's not going to work, mate. No, like, but, but it's, it's much more than that. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> for all of my children, my wife can tell their moods when they're inside of her. Right? She can feel their moods. Eh? What? Well, when she's pregnant. She can, yeah, when no, she's pregnant, she can feel the moods of the children when they're inside of her. And I'm sat there going, right. That sounds like wizardry. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's, it's exactly. It is wizardry. And I'm very obviously not included in that bond. And that's okay. You know, I've got my own bond with them. You know, like, you know, that my, my kids' first words have always been dad. Right? I know, but how stupid of a point is that? Or it's yeah. just like, oh, strangely enough, I didn't have a kid for nine months. Yeah, exactly. So there's something unique and magical that goes on between the mother and the children that the men simply won't understand. And that's okay. You build your own bonds, but there is something there. And he's just like, well, I mean, this is horrific, naturalizing language that does serious damage and has danger to the LGBTs who want to... Like, I, no, I don't care. I don't care. These people are not involved in this conversation. I mean, that is a great example of how those groups... They're completely irrelevant, really. Yeah, totally. yeah you're not in this conversation. conversation. Yeah. There, there, is, there is, you know, let's say, as he would put it, normative society doing its thing. Yeah. And then there are a bunch of freaking lunatics who have got theories yeah. who want to destroy it. Yeah. And they just throw anything at yeah. normative society to just get rid of normative society because yeah. they can't stand it. You know what? It's immoral that you prefer your own children. No. Because um, of blacks. That didn't work. Gays. Yeah. What, what do you want? And, and, and but this, you can see this all... Again, it really is the entire scheme of the comprehensive liberal to try and destroy everything about the natural world. Like they want to reformat everything right down to the, not just the way you give birth, but the love you have for your own children. It's mad, absolutely mad. But they're completely serious and sincere about this. They, they genuinely believe they're doing a good thing. Right. And so carrying on with this, right. Uh, it's, again, it's just, it's pure evil that is being proposed. Um, the ethnographic research of Na in the Himalayas, who do not have a social category for biological fathers. Okay, good health. Yeah. So, sorry, these random foreigners 
I've never met, he's never yeah, met, no yeah. one is ever going to meet. And do I feel that you're accurately categorizing what they really have? No. No, I didn't. I don't believe that for a start. But anyway, right? Show me some pictures of you with the NAR people, shall we? Yeah, but even, so you can actually prove that this is real. Even even if they do, I don't care. I'm not a NAR person, right? <laughs> I'm an Englishman, right? I can name my father, and I want my children to be able to name their father, and so on forever, right? Be an and, argument as well. It's just like, well, you've got you got you, your ethnic group, um, but this ethnic group does it different. So, so for some reason, you must do what they do? Exactly. It's never the other way around, where it's like, well, look, NAR people, come on, give it the times. Well, yeah, actually, that would probably be better for them. But anyway, um, <laughs> this shows up this, even as a concept as fundamental to us as fatherhood, is not an inevitable product of human biology, but it's an inevitable product of uh, English culture. So I'm happy to keep that, right? Uh, eliding the social phenomenon of parenthood with the biological phenomenon that only sets us up to reinforce the dated conception of the family at odds with our hopes for a more inclusive ethics. To hell with your inclusive ethics. I'm glad that the dated, the classic conception of the family uh, is what's standing in your way, and I think it should stand in your way. And in fact, the more you go, well, this is just old hat, the more I think, well, that's a good advertisement. You know, because look at the current state of the world now. You know, your moral, your, your ethical evolution is destroying everything around us. It's not good. To say, well, this is old hat, that's good. But this really highlights why liberalism is a universal acid. It will destroy everything, and I'm totally right, and everyone who has disagreed with me on this is totally wrong, and this is the proof of it. Right, right down to the very relationship that a mother has with her own child. Liberalism tries to go, oh, well, it's dated conceptions of genetic parochialism that prevents you from loving the entire human race as your own. Yeah, good. Deal with it. Right? Uh, they carry on, but I'll leave it there. Um, but essentially, you can see that they will not stop doing this. They can't help but frame it as their moral crusade to destroy everything, including the family. They can't stop themselves. Go to the video comments. Hello. With regards to the discussion about the ADL protesting the banning of circumcision, I know they have, they seem to pull out, I don't know, certain groups seem to pull out religious conviction when it suits their needs, but not so much when it doesn't. But anyway, the left don't even pretend to be intellectually consistent, but consent is something they bleed about endlessly without regards to age or intellectual capacity. This seems like a topic that both sides, or at least the secular end of it, should be able to agree on. But if not for double standards, they would have no standards at all. I mean, you're completely right, but I'm curious as to what those things are on the wall. Look at us. Are they? Right. Okay. They're kind of designed to beat the crap out of someone. Oh, right. Okay. I, was, I thought they were like corkscrews or something. Well, the whole ADL thing, I mean, this does actually, yeah. but now we're off YouTube, I think I can say this. So we have a, a Jewish friend in common, actually. Yeah. And uh, this Jewish guy once said something about the ADL that I just find amazing. Obviously, we couldn't say it, so I have to say that he said it, which is that, um, you know, the stereotypes about Jews that they're like alt right have. Yeah. Why is it that the ADL are determined to live it? Why are they determined to reinforce them? Yeah, every possible negative stereotype you could have about the global Jews and blah, blah, blah. The ADL seemed to listen and go, yeah, we should try that. What if, what if we did do that? That would be great. Wouldn't that make us look fantastic? Mm. I mean, there's probably not a better recruiting tool for this is the Jews, trust me, than the ADL. And it's weird as well, because it, like, there's, there's the very sort of nationalistic Israeli uh, philosophy, should we call it, that actually they, they, this could be something that if they wanted to sort of push back and go, no, you should just essentially copy the way we run Israel. 
Yeah, I mean, but like, Africans right in the street. They're gone the same day. You know, yeah. like, I, I would like, I would definitely do things that way. And if I were a Jewish person, I'd be like, no, do that. It's you'll, also you'll appreciate. It. You may remember there was a story a while back where the EU, for some reason, agreed with Israel to take all the Africans. Like, five yeah, years I know ago. it was really weird, and it was just like. But what? Like, why don't we just act like Israel and say, no, go to hell? Because the Israelis are not liberals. That's what it is. But they're also, I mean, just to. They're parochialists. Sound like an Israeli cuck for a moment. Like, they're, they're, I kind of really want to copy them in other regards, too. Yeah, there's I a really, bunch of stuff they do we should do. But I just really love how the Israelis know that, like, we've got our backs up against the wall, um, somewhat figuratively speaking, as well as literally. Yeah. So, what we should do is, like, leverage everything to our advantage, which yeah. means we'll take any weapons contract that's offered to us to make money. Yep. It's like, yeah, you know how the British have a bunch of, you know, expertise and weaponry, but we only do what the Americans tell us instead. Yeah. So, well, if we just do what Israel did, we, honestly, I, I Americans might give us money like they give Israel. <laughs> like every time Israel pops up in the news, it's generally because they're doing, they're implementing some sort of policy that massively offends progressives. And I'm like, well, and that, just enriches themselves. So that's common sense. Yeah. Why would you not act in this way? Like, we're going to bomb our neighbors, and the reason why? Because the Americans will give us loads of money. That's yeah. a good deal, then. Well, it's not just that. Okay, you've got loads of illegal immigrants. Okay, just deport them. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Why wouldn't you? What if we put a flag on every street corner? Yeah. <laughs> I just... Uh, <laughs> it's just whatever it is. It's, yeah. Why does Israel get to do it and we don't? I'm, oh God, I'm not looking forward to the comments on that. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> I run a homestead where I can make fresh ingredients. I know the value of good ingredients, and a good dish elevates those ingredients. And when you eat Mexican food, you do not elevate those ingredients. It becomes yes. this mixture, this slop. It's, yes. it's like how Starbucks overroasts all of its beans. You can't taste any of the regions of those beans. It just becomes the slop that Starbucks serves. It is pleasurable, yes. Oh, it's good in a way that consuming yes. feels good, but it doesn't elevate anything. I don't learn anything. I don't feel anything i don't feel any passion <laughs> Hell in it. yeah it is nothing but pleasureful slop it has no moral or aesthetic value mexican food is slop that preach it brother that's all i'm saying that's all i was saying until i preach it <laughs> look up if there is a five-star michelin mexican restaurant what uh, well there isn't going to be one is there no but anyway <laughs> I'll, I'll read some of the uh i'll read some of the comments fuzzy toast says about british food i've lived all over the world both my parents are pretty good at cooking just last month, I visited them in their retirement in the south of France and they had a dinner party and dad made paella uh, with mussels and shrimp and sa the saffron melded the spices together. Delish. But, our, but the meal I remember the most, Lincolnshire sausages with some fried egg and some oven chips. Simple hearty filling, dumping on British food is dumping on the sturdy traditional stone house so it doesn't have a £100,000 over-designed veranda made of glass and steel. What did you find? Uh, a Mexican restaurant that is in the Michelin Guides. Uh for restaurant recommendations. Yeah. But then I looked at the food and noticed they have all the food ingredients separated. So, oh, really? So they've got like a, a burrito or something. Uh, sorry, not a burrito, but like some dish. And then you can see like everything's been segregated off so you can mix it at your own will. The French frog says, the, Irish, the Irishman of the Englishman talking about quality food will not be lost on me. Well, hang on a second, right? The, the, the problem with English food is the lack of creativity. It's not the quality. The quality's always been good. Uh, that said, I highly agree with everything that was said. I would add salt to the list, though, as many people destroy or hide the taste of more salt. Yes, that is true. And I, I've been guilty of that myself, actually, over-salting things. Uh, but the, for the record, no, French people don't generally eat frogs or snails. I wouldn't know where to buy them. It's a myth based on rich people cuisine. You know, I had uh, snails once. Right. Hideous. Um, Hideous. Um, Covered in garlic to hide the taste. Garlic butter. Disgusting. Uh, but French, French food is generally pretty good, although it lacks the kind of weighty quality I like about English food. 
And when it, after, after eating like a Sunday roast, you can't really move. And that's what I'm looking for out of my meals. Uh, Sophie says, trust me, guys, I've been to Mexico. When they, what they serve in America is not Mexican food. And every Mexican will make you aware of it. The Mexicans are disgusted by, the, by, by what the Americans call Mexican food. The actual Mexican food in Mexico was quite nice. It was lovely. Fresh ingredients and right off the grill. No deep fry. It was nice. Well, I'll have to check that for myself sometime. But then there's also the question between, because you get this experience where you go to restaurants and you get served amazing local food. Yeah. And then there's, well, what does the average guy working on a building site eat? Yeah. Slop. Because, I mean, you, just to spoil some things, you sent me a video just before we started of some Indian workers. Yeah. And the guy's coming around with a pot, using his hand as the ladle, Jeez. put it on your rice. And of course, the Indians being Indians are all sitting there eating with their hands anyway. It's so disgusting. But the, the worst part is not really the hands, it is the slop. I don't know. It's a bit of both for me. I don't like that anyway. The letter M is for mashed potato. It says, the Carl is telling the masses to reject a life of spice and choose a life of virtue instead. Yes, I am. Uh, Andrew says the US version tastes of anything always tastes the US version of anything always tastes off or bland the apples are flavorless Coca-Cola doesn't even taste like cola anymore it's just diluted corn syrup yeah I, I don't know how Americans can deal with their own food to be honest but again it must be the taste buds are just so run through <laughs> um, I can win Ross says I can win the argument of American versus English food in one word bacon what the actual fluff is American bacon it's so crap they put syrup on it. And that's another thing, putting syrup on everything. But yeah, if you, American bacon is rind. What we call rind anywhere else. Well, it's just, it really is just the wrong word. That's all. Yeah, it's there's fat. Not, there's nothing. I mean, it's not bad. I like fatty bits of bacon, but like, I like a bit of meat with the bacon as well, if that's too much to ask. Yeah. It's, it's just not, it, it's like sofa and couch. Like the wrong word is just being used. That's all that's happening there. Um, I'll move on to the next segment because there are a lot of people. Just load up. This is the, the Mexican restaurant that's on the Mitchell. Oh, gone. Go you on. notice on that picture on the left there? Yeah, that's not slop. Yeah. But why, slop. why we segregate everything? Yeah. yeah. Food segregation now. <laughs> Food segregation forever. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. I know I'm not. And also, back to those Americans, uh, TikTokers. Yeah. Neo American food, I think, really is right. We should make a collection of that. Yeah, yeah. You should do this video on it. I'm actually curious because you've obviously thought a lot more about this than I have. I was just being prejudicial. Against Mexican food. But no, but isn't it strange? If they're so proud of it, why don't you eat it on any of your holy days? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. A really great question. Um, you want to read some? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll read some more. Sorry. I do want to make one quick point about the laborites, which I, I, oh, I really should have stuck the landing on. But it's kind of funny. I was trying to make out that you can see, like, for decades they've been in power in this place. Yeah. They've implemented the future they want. And then at the end of it, they suspended the branch for bringing the party into disrepute by ruining the area. Omar says, the only thing that will get you kicked out of the Labour Party is losing votes, a.k.a. getting caught. <laughs> no, no, that's not, not true. They didn't, get, they didn't lose votes. They weren't, the, there's no danger of them losing the constituency. No. It's literally Keir Starmer's like, this is just too gross. But isn't that funny? It's like, look, here's my plan enacted over three decades. Oh, it's awful. I kick you out. All it's brought, all it's brought about is destitution, corruption, and slavery. And that's not enough to make people vote for not Labour. It's like Stalin kicking out the Ukrainian branch of the Soviet Union because they brought the country into disrepute. Yeah. This is your plan. Yeah, you did this. This is all you've done for 30 years. Um, <laughs> Richard said, Labour. Diversity is a strength unless you are too diverse, it appears. To be on the safe side, I recommend a total cleanse with napalm. Well, well hang on a second. Uh, the <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I don't like Labour either. Uh, Bleach Demon says, I have a deep respect for those parents who adopt. 
However, to not recognize that having a child who, who are biological is the prime mover of the human experience. When we divide the bonds between parent and child, we are threatening the very mechanisms of our humanity. Yes, that's so totally true. And that is precisely the point of the liberal global ideology. That is precisely the point. They want the, these bonds they view as fundamentally oppressive. It's literally the very first line of the social contract. Everywhere Marin is born free and he is in chains. The chains are not physical chains. They're chains of relationships. You are born in chains to Rousseau that is the bond between the parent and child of the relationship itself. And that's the purpose that liberalism has, is to sunder those. Uh, he says, combine this, this asinine concept of no biological children with terms like birthing body and your article last week of sexualized playrooms that are teetering on the edge of banning the word mother and father, thus plunging the world into darkness. Yeah, this is precisely, precisely the end goal of the sort of liberal world order is to create the, the perfect managerial state where people are born pristine and not bound to any previous people and are completely free to choose anything, which means they're going to choose nothing. Um, it's awful, frankly, I think. Uh, Henry says, I already have to pay for care for children that aren't mine. It's called taxation-funded welfare. Uh, why would I willingly do it? Look, well, great question. Well, I'm investing in my child, my particular child. I, like, for example, every night I make my son do half an hour practice on the piano. And it's got to the point now where he can play. The, he, he's been off all summer. Tiger mumming him? What? The tiger mumming him. Yeah, kind of. All right. Because my, my parents didn't do that with me, actually. And I, you know, at 16, I had to teach myself how to play the guitar. But it's like, why wouldn't, if I'd had like, you know, half an hour of guitar practice for 10 years, leading up to that, I wouldn't need to do that. I'd be amazing at it already. Right. And so it's got to the point where my son, because he's been, this been the summer holidays, first day, first day of school back today. I've been doing it literally all summer holiday. And my wife said, how much more does he need to do? Because he can like blindfold him and he can play it all blindfolded and sing along to the songs like, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and like uh, Yankee Doodle and stuff like that. Okay. So he can do some Beethoven symphonies. That's where it's. Well, he's only eight, you know, and this is the first. <laughs> no, but that's the answer to your wife. Well, well exactly. And, and she was like, well, isn't that enough? It's like, no, it's not enough. <laughs> like, how many women is he going to pull singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Well, he can have, he can have <laughs> a career. Look, I'm the last person on earth who can play a piano. Because everything else is done by AI. But he'll be a novelty. <laughs> Millionaires will get him to come and play at their birthday parties. Look, a real human playing a piano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's going to be like, people are like, oh my God, just music played by a human. This is such a novelty in like 30 years' time. Uh, and so, no, but the point is he'll have a talent. He'll have an actual skill that he can use that most other people don't have. Uh, and, and my wife said, isn't it time for him to stop? No, it's not time for him to stop. He's going to carry on forever until he leaves home and he's an amazing piano player and i'll i'll find something else that my younger son wants as well but the point is like i i'm i have to sit there like what you're literally just like well until i get bored of bullying him then i'll bully the other one well, no, no, I'll, I'll bully them both it gets better at different times right but the point is that's an hour out of my evening that i've got sacrificed to make sure they're doing something that's good for them that you know builds a skill for them for later on in life like it would be easier for me to just say no, just watch TV, and I'm just going to go paint a miniature or something. Right? It'd be way easier, you know. But instead, I have to like you know have an argument with him. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I say, like, yeah, I know you don't. Get into it, you know. But then when he starts doing it, he's really enjoying himself because he can feel his own talent growing. You know, like he asked for the 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 blindfold. And I was like, we don't have a blindfold. And he's like, right, I'll grab a sock you then, know? a sports sock. You know, sort of long. He go in the in the clean washing. He went and got a sports uh, sock. 
tied it around no, his own face. off his foot. It was just like, there we are, Dad, he, let's go. He probably would have done. I suspect my wife insisted on the clean sock. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but the, you know, and then he's like ultra proud of himself. And so he's like, take a video and send it to Nanny and stuff like that. It's like, there we go. He couldn't have done that if I wasn't like making him do this, you know. But he's, it, it's totally wholesome and it's totally good for him. And I wouldn't do it if it wasn't my biological child. Why would I put in the effort? You know, the, the, it's the, the complete inverse of like what a, a parent should be interested in. This whole thing is just totally demented and I hate it. Um, but Someone had <clears> noticed we hadn't even mentioned spray cheese. I did mention liquid cheese very briefly. Spray on cheese though. Uh, cheese like product. Is, is spray cheese worse than American cheese? Well, uh, I mean, when yes. spray cheese? But the thing is as well, right? One, one thing that I think people have got to understand is it's not that I'm saying these things taste bad. So I like the taste of American cheese, like cheese-like products. Yeah, right? When you're in the mood, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm not saying they taste bad, but then, you know, lots of things that are pleasurable in the moment are bad for you, right? And American cheese is one of those things, and so is Mexican food. Contains milk. <laughs> Contains a milk-like substance. <laughs> I didn't realize it doesn't really look like cheese either. It even looks worse than American cheese. It looks more like a sauce. Yes. And uh, again, I'm not saying it can never have an application either. Like when Pedro's posting his pulled pork and chips. I mean, to be honest, I'd enjoy eating that. That's not good. You know, it's made of milk protein concentrate, Jeez. and then lots of sodium and calcium and lactic. Oh God, why does it have lactic acid in? This, I don't you know, know. What lactic acid is? You know how American chocolate always tastes like vomit? Yeah. It's because they purposely add lactic acid because they're used to it. So literally, yeah, they put the vomit taste L in their cheese as well. Literally abused taste buds. Because this thing, like, you know, you can say, Americans say whatever they like about our food, our chocolate is the best in the world. Without a doubt. The Belgians can go hang. So can the Swiss. I'm not saying their chocolate's bad either. Ours is just better because I'm used to it. I think we're in top tier with those two. It's a it's a tough call. Okay? Yeah, they are really good. But American chocolate is horrific. That's because they add vomit. I like know. sincerely, when you throw up the acid, yeah. it's lactic acid. They take that and then put it in their chocolate, and apparently also the spray on cheese. You know, it was always really funny as well. Like grow, growing up on these, uh, like the bases would be like half American, half British, and so we go over to the American uh, BX. It was what we you get for Halloween. We we had the naffy. They had the American BX, right? But, you know, there was nothing stopping going in there. So we used to go over, and it was great. We'd get Mountain Dew, right? I used to like Mountain Dew as a kid, right? You could get all the latest sort of CDs that weren't out in England yet. And it's like, yeah, so you got all the bands and stuff, the American bands. And that was all great until it came to the chocolate section, and no one bought anything from the chocolate section. So it was just like Hershey's Kisses. Ugh. You know, I'd rather a marathon because they were called marathons at the time. You don't know what that is, do you? Yeah, of course we do. Oh, do you? Oh, of course I do. Shut up. That was changed like 30 years ago. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but I, I love chocolate. So. <laughs> You know, we, we could actually get some good English chocolate rather than, honestly, the American stuff is just so gross. Uh, but anyway. It still is. That's the one thing I, I know. Yeah, because like the reason I went over why I sent you all that food stuff was to make the point, like all the great food that we kind of love today and obsess over. Yeah. It's really recent because, of course, culinary advances are yeah. a good thing. Like, every couple of years, something new comes out in the culinary world. It's, it's great. But why is their chocolate still stuck in like the 1920s when there's no refrigeration? That's the reason for the lactic acid as well, is the chocolate would go bitter in transport. But I mean, it's just Cadbury's was founded like in the 30s before refrigeration, right? Yeah. So why doesn't their chocolate have lactic acid? Because England's small. Yeah. So you can just drive it to the store. Probably not massively hot either. Yeah. But if you have to drive it across the continent, yeah, I suppose. Like, it becomes, well, 
crap. Bad luck. And then for the next 100 years, you have Americans continue to eat that crap, even though there's a culinary event in the world oh, called the, the fridge. The, the British eat like the Germans are still flying overhead. Bro, you eat like there's no fridge. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all, it's all um, totally true, but also in good fun. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, we're out of time. So if you'd like more, um, go on the, the website. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't see that coming, did you? Anyway, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you.